Robots vs. Dinosaurs is a proud member of the Apocalypse Podcast Network. The following podcast is brought to you by Robots vs. Dinosaurs. Disclaimer, this podcast is about to spoil several movies from 6 to 20 years old. Lou, read off the list. Today, Robots vs. Dinosaurs will be spoiling for you, the listener, The Walking Dead, Game of Thrones, Watchmen, The Hunger Games, Mission Impossible 4, Ghost, Protocol, Justice League, The Snyder Cut, Kong, Skull Island, Godzilla vs. Kong, Black Panther, Captain America, Civil War, Solo, A Star Wars Story, Iron Man 3, John Wick, and Minority Report. Hello and welcome to Robots vs. Dinosaurs, the podcast where we watch a movie or a TV show every week and then try to determine which one is cooler, robots, dinosaurs, or former S.H.I.E.L.D. agents living on a remote island that is basically two cities that seem disconnected from the world but are largely connected to the world. Yeah. Uh, which one's cooler? Um, <laughs> anyway, I'm your host, <laughs> Luigi. And with me, as always, is my co-host, a new co-host every week, unless we're talking about Falcon Fresh and Winter Green, in of which course. case I have my returning co-host, Ryan T. Lawler. Welcome, Ryan. Hello, folks. It's good to be back. Episode three. Episode three, Ryan. Yeah, tell the tell the audience exactly what we're talking about today on Robots vs. Dinosaurs. Well, today we got uh, the Falcon and. Did we confirm this? It's Falcon and the Winter Soldier, or is there? No, no, a, no it's the he's the Falcon, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Episode mm-hmm. three, Power Broker, and we're going to discuss a little bit of, about this episode. The Power mm-hmm. Broker. First of all, we don't even really know who he is yet, so that's a little mysterious. Yeah, or kind of if sh- it is a he. Or is it an entity or a he or a she? You know, we don't know yet. <laughs> yeah, it could be like a collective. It could be yeah. sort of like a, like a, I don't know if you watch The Walking Dead, but like a We Are Negan kind of thing, like a cult of personality. No, um, I haven't, but a show that's been on for like 37 years, I probably should have at this point. But <laughs> <laughs> It's actually harder not to watch it. <laughs> and I was like, Jesus, this again? <laughs> it's just everywhere. Uh, so, um, but this is not The Walking Dead. This is The Falcon and The, walk- the, the Walking Soldier, The Winter Soldier. <laughs> Because it's because we, as we've discussed, there are multiple Captains America, and you know we both agree yeah. John Walker is a Captain America. He is not the Captain America. Absolutely, yes, same idea, right? Yes, yeah. So, I like, remember. if this, I recall, if this um, Lamar Hoskins guy ends up becoming like a new Falcon, I'm still going to call Sam Wilson the Falcon. You know? Yeah, exactly. There's that's who he is. There's no changing that. I, yeah. 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 Uh, but uh, but I, I like nicknames a lot. And this this show, I think every single episode, because yeah. of the banter between between Sam and Bucky, they always call each other all these nicknames. Yeah. And they're, they're, I, think I love the banter. Um, and, and listeners, you guys have heard us like having us have some fun with that in the intro. Ryan, what was the one that you texted the other day? It was really good. Like uh, uh, the, I called uh, them like Falcon uh, Fresh uh, and Winter Green. And you were, and you said something. Like, uh, uh shit man what was it like big bird and the autumnal soldier so i don't the, remember what was the I abominable no. big bird and the god i still have it actually let me pull it up hold on okay that's it was big, <laughs> was it big bird and frosty oh uh, yeah like uh big frosty bird the snowman big bird and frosty the snowman <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Well, listeners, welcome to Robots vs. Dinosaurs. God, Today we're talking about Big Bird and Frosty the Snowman. 
Oh my God, I'm sorry. That is Welcome back to our weekly discussion of Bird Guy and Winter Man. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Robo, Robo Falcon and Soldier Guy. Fe- Feather Man and Snow Bird. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well... <laughs> Uh, there's, there's a couple of, there's also, there's two other characters in this episode that I think are going to be getting nicknames soon. So one of them is core, of course, is Zemo. And I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't know. Have they called him Baron Zemo yet? Has that no, name actually come out? No, of- I don't think they have. I think this is one of those Scarlet Witch, uh, kind of situations where it's never been said yet. And, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I think that was the first and Sam says it in the, in the little, uh, drug trailer there. Gotcha. He does. He does put on the iconic purple mask, which is really cool looking. And and they again, got, I just got to hand it to the MCU for designing these costumes for characters yeah. that look ridiculous in comic books that Absolutely. wouldn't work in real life. But this guy's just wearing this awesome, fashionable long winter coat, and yeah. and it works with this purple skull skull cap. I, it just I, I works. I keep looking at the fur and I'm like, that looks so comfortable, that jacket. And mm-hmm. then that hat, the, the the purple mask he pulls over, you know, I love that hat. It looks so warm and comfortable. It's so nice. It's like padded in the front. It's yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I'd wear <laughs> so that. Nice. I'd wear that just for, you know, if I was the winter soldier and it's just winter yeah, time. Yeah. Like, damn, I need to keep my face warm. Um, so the other, so the, uh, Zemo is played by Daniel Bruhl, uh, same actor that played him in civil war. We saw him in civil war and also, um, I don't think he was in anything else was he? I don't recall. I don't recall him being in, in anything but civil war. This is a great actor. I thought, I think we're going to have a lot to talk about his performance in this episode. Cause he's doing a yeah. lot of, can we trust him? Should we trust him? Like it's really good stuff. Uh, this episode also has, for the first time in the series, we knew she was coming, Emily Van Camp, who plays, yes. of course, Sharon Carter, uh, who's mm-hmm. all over the promotional posters. And if you've watched the trailer for the show, you knew that Sharon Carter was going to be in it. But she kicks ass in this episode. Yeah, and so I was cool. really excited to see her. And I, I really hope we get more of her. I doubt, I highly doubt she's going to just like chill on Madripoor and stay there. Um, no, I think she's yeah, going to mix it up and get back in the action again. Especially she gets in the car there and she has that little comment. She seems like she's kind of important. So, yep. Yep. Yeah. She's, she's working her way up there. We also, we got to get her backstory because it definitely, there's definitely from the way she was talking and the way she is very jaded right now. There's definitely yeah. some history from between the last time we saw her and now that they sort of gloss over, but I think we're going to get a little more of the yeah. details of that. I'd love to see what she, like what exactly she's been doing to, build herself up and get like dealing art and all this stuff and like making money, which is kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. Her place was really cool. I want that apartment. Hell yeah. Uh, that was beautiful. So the, the episode was written and uh, directed by Kari Skogland and Derek Kolstad. The opening sequence here is just an example, Ryan, of why, why the MCU is, are, are so good at storytelling, just the principles mm-hmm. of storytelling. I'm only going to describe pretty much like the opening, the very first scene of this show. But when I say yeah. opening sequence, I I almost want to describe everything up to the point where the cap, the the, the logo for the show comes up because they did it really, really well in this episode where it's yeah. like all leading up to this moment and then boom. But, but 
here's what we mm-hmm. get when the screen fades from black, when we when when the episode first starts. It's uh, like, yeah. clearly a commercial, and I am excited because of the precedent they set in WandaVision where fake commercials yeah. are like <laughs> right my favorite that, thing. Like, Ooh. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we get to break um, down a commercial. So I wrote down the whole the whole copy of this commercial. When half of us came back, it was time to rejoice and reunite. The Global Repatriation Council knows that for many, it wasn't that easy. So much has changed, but we're here to help you find your way, helping you back into your homes and jobs, helping you navigate changes to society, laws, and borders, helping you get back to the way things were. GRC, the Global Repatriation Council. Reset, restore, rebuild. Uh, so then a Polizzi van pulls up in Munich. <laughs> Captain Carl Fredrickson is on a mission. He grabs a dude and yells, do you know who I am? Because he's spitting his face. And yeah. it's pretty, pretty tense. Totally see the, the douchebaggery of kind of the new cap. You yep. know? Yeah. Yeah. The do you know who I am? I wrote that yeah. down because my well. very first reaction to that was Steve would not would not lose his cool like that. That's exactly. And then to rub in someone's face who he is. And the thing is, Steve Rogers doesn't need to do stuff like that. That's that's mm-hmm. the difference between somebody about the honor. And he's just so much better. This dude just comes in cocky. He's all, he's just more violent. Like he's violent towards the person just like in a snap. Steve just had a way of holding himself together, even though he could tear the guy's arms off. And there's just something different. You could see that this guy wanted if maybe even if he had the super strength, he would have hurt this guy. Yeah. And, and yeah, I, don't, I just don't, I don't like him. There's a, there's a quote from game of Thrones. I know you're not a big game of Thrones fans, Ryan, Ryan, but yeah, um, sorry. there's a quote from game of Thrones. Any, any, anyone who must say I am the King is no true King. Damn right. That's a good quote. And it's true. Yeah, absolutely. You shouldn't, your actions should speak for themselves. So, uh, so Carl and Lamar are kind of following the same, the same dead end leads that Sam and Bucky have been trying to follow, trying to get, get to the bottom of this super soldier conspiracy, like these people that are just creating super soldiers yeah. and releasing them out into the world. So what did, what did you, before that though, what, what did you think of the, that opening commercial? What do you think of the GRC in general? What do you think of this message that they're putting out? The like their their tagline of reset, restore, rebuild. Yeah. Um, well, what do you think I, of all of that? I think in general the whole thing is kind of they're trying to they're trying to give an image of this of this very helpful, nice. You know, it said dun, 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 we're gonna fucking help you. Yeah. You know, like everything. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> Like, it's just beautiful. And like, oh, this place is here to, you know, help us get back on our feet. Yeah. And, you know, they just give off this great vibe. And then, boom, cut to, like, a German police car with their logo on it. You rip open Captain, the new shitty Captain America barging into a new place. And it's just, it's showing the contrast of, of what they want people to, what they want to represent to the people and what they actually really might be behind the scenes. I think exactly what you're talking about, how awesome Marvel is at storytelling and setting up a, just a vibe and how they want you to feel. And that, I mm-hmm. thought that was really, I, that's what I got from the opening. I thought it was really awesome. Yeah, they're instantly making you feel like a citizen in this world who's experiencing right. these things. Exactly. Yeah, so it makes you makes you really look at the, look at things from a 
a more realistic perspective of like how yeah, yeah these mm-hmm. these characters are awesome when they're action figures, but if it was my real life when I turned on the news and I saw this happening and I couldn't do anything about it because I don't have superpowers, like what am I going to think? How am I going to feel? Am I gonna, who am I going to trust? Also, listeners, do to do we're going to fucking help you is available on iTunes for 99 cents. You should buy that. <laughs> uh, Ryan's going to be releasing that. <laughs> that's the new hot summer jam. I think that's going to it's going to be uh, it's going to top Agatha all along on the soundtrack. Just. <laughs> <laughs> oh god ryan i want more of that song <laughs> <laughs> the full fleshed out version <laughs> oh man ryan there's one other thing i want uh that you've you've you haven't really um delivered yet and it's that i want you to kill the avengers and i just i don't know understand why that hasn't happened yet i don't know why you keep asking me i love those avengers fuck killing them unless danny right. devito was one <laughs> well the only thing i have to say to that ryan is longing Rusted, 17, Daybreak, Furnace, 9, Benign, Homecoming, 1, Freight Car. All right, excuse me, I just got to go kill a couple of Avengers. Thank you, thank you, Ryan. So Ryan will be back after he kills... All of the Avengers, yeah. except for uh, except for Sam and Bucky. Let's leave, let's leave them, because they're a good yeah. comedy duo. <laughs> yeah. Let's leave Wanda alone, too. She's had enough... I also, I don't think that you could do anything about Wanda. I don't, I don't yeah, you could. Yeah, she's going to do whatever she wants. Yeah. <laughs> it's basically like, yeah, I'm going to go kill God real quick. I'll be, <laughs> yeah, I'll be right back. I got it. Uh, all right. So, so Ryan, what do you want to, what do you want to get into in the, in this episode next? Well, basically um, we're just going to, I mean, like you said, we went to the cap, uh, the cap, a uh, new cap was trying to uh, find some information about the serum. And then we also find out that now Bucky and Sam are also obviously trying to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, they're going to break out our old friend Zemo from prison. So uh, we head to Germany. And, and the, which is, I like this part. I love it when they do this in movies and TVs where they are like explaining the plot or the plan while they're showing it happening and they're doing it, which mm-hmm. is kind of, which is also, you know, what Bucky does with Sam, you know. So uh, let me throw you a little hypothetical here. And then he runs through it. And then obviously, at the end, that's actually what really happened. I love, <laughs> I just always, I'm always a fan of that in movies. The old, escape- I'll tell you the plan, but the plan actually is already happening. <laughs> yeah, they did that. In, they pulled that in Watchmen. Uh, yeah. Big spoiler I, for Watchmen. I won't say where it happens in the movie if you haven't seen Watchmen. But but, but I think if I think you, if you've seen it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. And um, um, that actually, prison I, escape I, sequence was. Oh, oh good. Good. Oh. If you haven't seen it, I'm glad I'm not spoiling it for you. Um, yeah. That prison escape sequence was rad. Have you seen, uh, I forget yeah. which Mission Impossible it was. It might have been four or five but it has a very similar kind of Tom Cruise deliberately gets himself arrested and put inside of a cell so that he can break somebody out. It's very, it's a very cool, like Krav Maga kind of close quarters combat uh, fight sequence. And, and uh, it also shows that like Zemo is like a real, he's like a, he's like a badass, you know, he really is. And I, I I really like seeing this side of him through this show too. It's, it's really cool. It was dead. Has do you think he was a badass before the events of Age of Ultron? Um, do I think so? As uh, I don't know, it's hard to say. Why, like what, when, are you, what are you getting at? What do you think? So, like later in the episode, when we see Sharon Carter doing like ninja flips and drop kicking dudes <laughs> and like yep. you know taking their knives and throwing them and doing all kinds of John Wick yeah. stuff, I'm like, all right, she's a former Shield agent. She's this is what she like did 
a lot of training for combat training, like a lot of that kind of skills. Why does Baron Zemo have such incredible hand-to-hand combat skill? That's true. He does. And they don't really explain it. And he's so anti like superhero and serum. It's hard to believe that, that he would be, have done it to himself, you know? So I don't know, but I like it. And hopefully we'll get maybe a little bit more explanation of it, but it's, and it also is like, he's along with being a, a good fighter, he's just a really good planner and mastermind, you know? Yeah. That's really kind of, probably more so his strength, but. They're, they're kind of building him up as like evil Batman in this. Yeah. Like his superpower is that he's rich. So I can actually, there's, <laughs> there's a way that I could just believe like when he decided he wanted to start kicking ass, he just paid somebody to train him how to yeah. kick ass. So he's like, I want to kick ass. Give me the best of the best. And you know, yeah. when you got billions, you can do that. In in the comic world, in the comic yeah. world, if you have money, you can do anything. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's like it's like, like Batman says in in Justice League. He's like, when Flash asks him, "What's your superpower?" He's like, "I'm rich." Like that's legit. That is it a superpower. really is absolutely. So then, uh, yeah, so they break him out of prison, and then of course, you know, Sam's not uh, too into it when he pops up. He's like, "Oh, you're going right back to jail," and we got some funny little moments between them. Like, shut up. You know, and <laughs> I'm so yep. specific, I know, but you know, um, no, I know. <laughs> <laughs> this is how I roll, but know, it's just like, they're still keeping that, that tense, that tension between these two characters at all times, even though they're work, they, they're working together, they work really well together and they have, they have a lot of mutual friends. They're still just. Like that, Addie it's like, it's like they're stuff. brothers. Kind of, you know? <laughs> exactly. It's like a, it's a love hate thing that's going on. Yeah. So then obviously that Zemo, you know, they, they think that Zemo has inf- more information than I think he actually has, you know, mm-hmm. cause he works for Hydra. So they think he knows, you know, kind of where the serum is or at least where they can go find more information. So they lead him to Madripoor. Mm-hmm. Is that how you pro- Did I pronounce that correctly? Yeah. Mad- so. <laughs> Madripoor. Falcon says it sounds like the way they're describing it kind of sounds like Skull Island. And I love that reference because... (laughs) What's that? What good timing, too, to have that right when Kong and Godzilla released, too. That is probably... That's probably one of the many layers of of why it's a smart line. Another big one is King Kong came out in 1933. So mm-hmm. it is a movie that Bucky definitely would have been into and would have gone to see at the theater, right? Oh, yeah. I can imagine Bucky and Steve like getting tickets, like going yeah. to the theater and buying tickets to see King Kong together. That uh, so for, for Falcon to make that reference to Skull Island, that's something that, that Bucky would get. And it's subtle. I don't think it's, I don't think there's any Falcon thought about several things he could say. And like, this was the one he chose this one. I think it's just like a subconscious thing that yeah. he his mind went to that reference because Bucky is his friend and he, and he, he wanted knows. to relate it to him in some way. Yeah, I agree. With I also that. read way too much into things, but <laughs> no, but I, I, if you put yourself in his position, like when you're really good friends saying the same, same thing, you know, Oh, well he's, he wouldn't understand that, that reference by reference something from the eighties. So I'll, I think it makes sense completely. And I like that. Yeah. It's oh, very ultimately Bucky, Bucky is, is actually more familiar with Madripoor than, Falcon is though because he yeah. seems to know like it, the history of it that it was a uh, refuge for pirates in the 1800s and mm-hmm. it's sort of 
sort of kept on being a, a criminal underworld remote island. I have a Is lot of questions about Madripoor. <laughs> yeah, me too. Like, what was your question? I just have a lot of questions about it. Like it's like we were talking about earlier. It's like here, it, it's it's just a normal city, like on Earth, right? Like it's just it's just a normal place. This isn't anything crazy. But then when they drive, yeah. it's like you have to go over this big like bridge. Obviously, it looked like, and then right. they like escort it in. And I, I yeah, I just want to know more about this place. It's very mysterious. And there was some talk about how it's like nobody knows about it. It's, you know, it's off the map. Um, Yeah. Which the fact that they have the internet is, it it makes me question the logic of that. Because first thing I thought when they started using their phones was they're in this crazy lawless land and there's cell towers. And and, (laughs) cell towers and nobody can find it. How, if you can get a cell signal, you can find this island. I I don't know. Maybe they have some sort of futuristic Wakanda technology because Wakanda is right in the the middle of Africa and they stay hidden from the world. So picking up some Wakanda Wi-Fi. (laughs) Yeah. So actually, all right. So I, I, now that I've thought about that, they did set a precedent with Wakanda. So, all right. I can buy that Madripoor can access the internet is a technologically superior yeah. island and, and the it's completely off the grid. You know, they've been related to this story, so we can we can say that. I like yeah. it. Yeah, I'm glad actually I'm glad we talked that out cuz I really had serious doubts about it until yeah. until like, I realized I about the exact same thing, internet and phones and everything like what? <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but but it is a, it is a cool place and it's really significant in the X-Men comics. So I mm-hmm. think I'm not going to go as far as to say that this is a hint that we're going to get Magneto because Magneto is like the governor of Skull Island and this is where he, he created a refuge for the Brotherhood of Mutants. Oh, awesome. The writers... What if he's like, what if he's like the, the power broker? No. Is that what you're going <laughs> It's not happening. I, I love that, Ryan. I would love I that. I love it. <laughs> I do too. But I am not going to be fooled by yeah. the MCU TV series again the way that WandaVision made me think, oh my gosh, it's Evan Peters, it's Quicksilver, X-Men. No. So I'm not falling for it. Magneto's not showing up in Madripoor. But I do think they're they're deliberately trolling us again. Yeah. They're doing it a lot slower than I think people think. It's going to be sprinkled in. And maybe there'll be hints of it. Or maybe even they'll end on a little, like, some something a little closer to mutants. Maybe they won't actually say it or anything yet, but just did br- like kind of like WandaVision brought us a little closer to the multiverse. Didn't yeah. actually do it yet, but it pushed us in that direction. And this maybe pushes in the direction of X-Men, but maybe not fully embrace it yet, but we'll see. Yeah. It laid the, it lays the groundwork for you to accept the reality much more easily later on. Right. Absolutely. Yep. Do you, did you notice any other hints or, or trolling uh, clues or anything towards references towards the X-Men or anything else like that in this yes. episode? The, the logo uh, the, on the, on the door, you sent me the picture of it, which I noticed too, but they clearly have the X X-Men. I mean, that's like so obvious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot listeners, a lot of you probably noticed this too, but if not there, um, there's a, a shot, a sequence when we cut to, Car- is her name Carly? Carly. Carly, yeah. Like just before I think they robbed the place. Yeah, oh, in Li- yeah. Lithuania. And there's like a title yeah. card that shows that it's like the uh, whatever building. Depot in, in for, the, 
Yeah. Um, and there's some guards standing in front of a gate with a big old X with a circle <laughs> and it's like red and yellow or red and black, but it, it, it's, it's, it's very close. much the X-Men symbol. And I'm going to, I'm going to, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I have a link to that screenshot uh, in the show notes. So you can check it out. Yeah. And take a there's look. no doubt that they're, they're, they're messing with us or hinting towards something, you know, I hope they learned a little WandaVision. They leaned into it so hard. And I don't think they think people, I don't think they expected people to get so crazy. So we'll see. Well, wasn't wasn't this show supposed to be released before WandaVision? Didn't they end up switching the release order? Yeah. Actually, I think you're right. They were. And so this would have probably been a little bit more easy ease in, mm-hmm. you know, because WandaVision was a little I mean, it worked out great anyway. I mean, people love them are loving them both, but this would have been a really good first phase four thing to see because it's much more straightforward. And it's just the MCU world after the snap and you kind of get to see a little bit more of the basic stuff and then throw something like WandaVision at us to, you know, to throw our minds after we've already been released into phase four. But to be honest, it didn't, I still thought it was great to see WandaVision first, but that does. Yeah. You know, but yeah, that does kind of explain, you know, you know what they're doing by introducing elements like Madripoor or the multiverse, or even like Evan Peters, they're setting the table. They're just setting the table. Either the next Doctor Strange movie can be the guest that comes over for dinner, or it could be the whole entire Fox X-Men. But either way, the table is set for guests. So like with this Madripoor thing, it is there if they want to, in the future, have Magneto bring a Brotherhood of Mutants and start a colony here. It's there. It exists now in the MCU. So the table is set. Like a whole show dedicated to like Madricors, Madricor, that would be cool. From what we saw of Sharon Carter in this episode, I wouldn't mind just like a yeah. little like Sharon Carter miniseries. Exactly, like her side story of what she's been doing there. That would, totally, that would be great. Criminal elements and all the, the shady stuff that goes on there. Because, you know, you just see the clips, everyone's like packing up drugs, machine guns, exotic animal skulls and all kinds mm-hmm. of, I mean, it looks like they're dealing with everything there, so... It's cool. Yeah, uh, they uh, there's like the high town and the low town, right? Is that what they called them? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. High town and low town. <laughs> you know, I bet, yeah, I bet we have no friends in high town. That's what Sam <laughs> says. <laughs> oh, another really that that reminded me of a really fun moment when they all have to dress up, right, to get into into <laughs> town, and uh, Sam has to pretend to be this guy, the smiling tiger. <laughs> yes, the smiling tiger. I can't believe I skipped over that part. I looked this guy up because it's an obscure comics character. Yeah. Um, he's a villain. Oh, he's actually in the comics? Yep, Conrad oh, Mack. And I oh think I think that's I think that's what Baron Zemo called him as like his real name was Conrad Mack. Yeah. Uh, yep. Smiling Tiger. His father mm-hmm. fought in Vietnam, married a cult leader's bride, one of the like cult brides, and then they had a son. And that's Conrad, that's Smiling Tiger. So uh, I don't know. He he doesn't have any powers. He's just very skilled in combat and has a very ridiculous looking suit. I'm going to link to a picture of the Smiling Tiger suit. <laughs> uh, so you can take a look at it. It is ridiculous. Yeah. But the very fun way to just have a subtle nod to this, this character in a very high quality show <laughs> that's exactly. actually taking it seriously. And yeah, but oh my to, gosh, I just love it. That, like, just to do it in that funny, clever way was a great way to throw a nod at a, at a more minor little character. I, you mm-hmm. know, I would, I would imagine I've never even heard of him, so I thought it was cool and was uh, and and hilarious. <laughs> uh, the whole the whole bit where Sam was 
he like called his his sister called and he had to pretend yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. like some crime some like criminal I, I thought that was actually super stressful i was like mm-hmm. oh just the way they did it i was like bite my bite my nails like oh no dude gonna make you put that on speaker oh yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> and crazy. i thought i thought he was gonna hold it together and still until she starts shouting yeah. about the cheerios and then I was yeah, like, oh exactly. no. <laughs> you saw him, she does this look like, oh no. And then Sam, boom, done. And because then uh, she gets because, shot. Yeah. Because it's Marvel, though, I even had a moment where I was like, all right, well, you know what? Maybe these criminals, uh, maybe they, they understand that, yeah, he's talking to one of his underlings, but they have a family. So, like, yeah. You know, we all deal with these these real life things, even though we're underworld criminals. So I had a moment where I was like, all right, maybe maybe they're not going to balk at the Cheerios thing. Maybe they're going to let that pass. Yeah. But then then she called him Sam and that and then that it was, was over. <laughs> I thought, yeah, I thought, too, he was playing it off. Well, I thought he was going to get away with it. I mean, anyone like you said, anyone can have kids. But then that. All right, Sam. It's like, oh, and she she's just like, kill him. Yep. <laughs> just like no hesitation. But then obviously she immediately gets shot. Now, are we mm-hmm. supposed to? I was kind of getting the feeling that was that supposed to be uh, Sharon Carter who helped them, who sh- who's involved behind like the sniper who did that, or do we not know? Because that's kind of the impression I got that she helped them out of that. Oh and, yeah, I'm pretty know. sure she shot her. I- I'm pretty sure it was actually her. I think so because we see her in the bar earlier with a hood yeah. over her face, looking looking all like Ronin from Endgame. Oh, dude, I just, re- I didn't even realize that. I, mm-hmm. I I missed that shot like the three times I watched. I didn't realize that was her. Yeah, oh, man, Sharon I put had that together now. Okay. In Th- the time. Make a little more sense to me. In the time between, I guess the last time we saw her cinematically was Civil War. I, I think. Yeah. Like, it was surprising to me. We literally, she's been fridged. She's been on ice for that many movies. But yeah. But yeah. So I guess in the time in between, she just became a stone cold badass and yeah. does not care, has no qualms about just assassinating somebody. I yeah, don't know. Exactly. I could I could be wrong, but it really I, I'm pretty sure that she was the one that shot the That's what I got. They never like they, they never really said it, but that's but that's what I got from it. So I just yeah. wanted to see if you you got the same. So that's good. So mm-hmm. and she yeah. seemed to have no remorse when she was just like taking out bounty hunters one by one and, and yeah, no. Everything she so. seems like relentless now. So it kind of makes me mm-hmm. feel like maybe she's been doing some crazy shit for the last few years uh, here in she this had, city. No, she admits to things like uh, art theft and, and yeah, you know. And she even said you got to do what you got to do here to survive. So yep. that's so cool. She's like wheeling it. What's like like it was like the real art and like the fake art was like in the museum. <laughs> of course, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like that's not the real point, anyways. But. <laughs> nice job on the art dealing, Sharon. Yeah. Right. Then um, after that, what do we go? We get to see a little bit of, we get to see Carly in her camp and you get to see that like the, mm-hmm. it's not their, her mother, but she's like the mother figure of the group, I guess, is got the got tuberculosis. Yeah. So, so she's showing a little more the uh, drive behind her, you know, wanted to get this serum so that she can save all, all the people, you know? Uh, let's see where we go. And at, at this Ooh, point man. in the episode... What are your, what's your take on Carly? Does it change by the end? It did. It did. I think she's slowly just going to start getting more and more violent. I mean, at first I really thought she wasn't going to be, it was, she was going to be more of an innocent, but it really is starting to look like she's, she's being, she's kind of losing it, getting a little too 
terrorist like you know like yeah. oh this is the only language these people speak that that just sounds exactly like a terrorist you know i gotta blow these people up because that's the only way that someone's going to hear me and i i understand her concerns but obviously she's taking her, her problems in the wrong direction so i think she's loosening a little and uh i, I don't think she's gonna turn around anything good I, I just don't think she's i think she's bad mm-hmm. she's a bad girl yeah she crossed a line in this episode that for me yeah. there's no coming back from because she like sharon carter shooting a bunch of like shooting and stabbing a bunch of bounty hunters with their own weapons is arguably self-defense and she was protecting her friends who are inside trying to, you know, save the world. So, you know, she has a little more justification for what she's doing this. She had the goods and had already stolen the stuff and just heartlessly blew everybody up. Yep. They were tied up too. Exactly. That's just, that's like, nah, nah. Yeah. You can't do something like that and, and then redeem yourself and be a good character. That's hard. I, I mean, who knows? The MCU may be able to do it, but once you've blown people up, innocent people, helpless, after the fact that your crime is complete, you have mm-hmm. stolen the goods, you've gotten away, and now you were a mask. Nobody knows who you were. There was no reason for it. Yep. And I found it terrible. And her, and then the fact that her friend there, her little this partner, her, he was also blown blown away. No pun intended. Surprised. <laughs> <laughs> really surprised by the fact that she's going this far. So I think yeah. she's taking it a step further, but this is not the plan of the group, but yes, you know, yeah, yeah I that's, think that's I, where I'm at I, with her. I think we're definitely seeing when she plants that car bomb, that that is, that's the first time that she's, yeah. she's taken things this far. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, I think it's only going to go farther. So yeah. got to watch out for her. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I no longer think that, I'm no longer as certain because I was very certain when they introduced her, like, okay, there, she's going to be the villain, but there's going to, they're going to show us like a lot of ways that she's justified. And she's by the end, she might even end up helping Sam and Bucky. Yeah. I just, I don't think that anymore. I don't think there's as much of a chance if she's doing yeah. something like this bad. <laughs> Agreed. You, you know, now this is mass murder. It's you're, you're done. You know? Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Hater. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I get what she's doing, what she's doing, of course, but she's not doing it right. So, yeah, it's, it's weird. I still don't even hate her. I just like, I still, cause I still understand yeah. where it's coming from, but it's, I just can't agree with the methods. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I am really curious to see which, just how, how far they go into how bad she's going to, how evil she's gotten or in the next few episodes, just um, mm-hmm. cool. I'm, I'm interested to see what that character does. But then after, uh, what do we do? Where we mixed, we kind of jumped around a little bit there. just want to make sure I'm in the right spot. And then after the camp, oh, well, we kind of jumped around. That was before the magic horror scene. Brokers watching. Oh, and I like how on the walls, uh, the graffiti, you see the, bro- um, you see the, 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 uh, the broker is watching, which is uh, kind of cool. I don't know if you noticed that on the, uh, no. like on the walls. So it just kind of gives you this like almost big brother, like, who is this? Who is this power broker? Just kind of interesting. Uh, you know, if, is it a person or a group or a, an entity of some kind? But that's cool. seeing that, it's kind of cool. Uh, just check that out. Yeah, he's the power broker in comics is, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's like a classic Captain America villain. 
is he like is he like human just a regular human with like you know kind of like a like a kingpin or something (laughs) yeah from what i remember it's very it's very similar to this where it's like constantly shifting identity like one person will be you know we found out who the power broker is and then you find out that was just a front um, but I, I, but I'll be honest. I've, I've, I've read a very limited number of of Captain America comics, so I'm not yeah. super familiar with like with who this guy is. Yeah, um, cool, cool, good. So we're in the same boat, really. But he's really making out like he's he's in charge of this place. The judge, jury, and executioner. He rules that place with an iron fist. It looks like. What was another part? I also thought it was cool on uh, Magikor where um, the, the the where he uh, you know has him pretend to be the Winter Soldier again. And mm-hmm. almost like does it, and he does it so well that like it almost scares Sam a little bit, and he looks at him like, "Yeah, all right." And at the beginning, when Zemo said something, like he said, like there's still a little something in there, you know. Uh-huh. Like I'm starting to wonder if there's going to be something, maybe that if is he completely free from the the mind control. I don't know. They've just kind of referenced that twice. I thought that was a cool, a cool little thing, but maybe it's yeah, also what, the fact that he spent so much time doing it, that just seeing him pretend kind of just scared him a little bit. You wanted to be like, you all right. But that was a point that I wanted to bring up. It just seemed like, it seemed like, it just seemed like Sam was a little bit nervous seeing that. <laughs> yeah. I, I could see him being nervous both for, for himself being in that situation and also like nervous for his friend's mental state yeah. because he knows how hard he's trying to, yes. to recover. And, yeah. And he's trying to get over this PTSD from, from that. And now here he is, he has to pretend to do this again. And yeah, that's, that's probably actually a better way of looking at it, but either yeah, way. Earlier Zemo got like a third of the way through the activation code words I had this this feeling that like at some point during during the dialogue exchange between Zemo and like his butler that he was mm-hmm. gonna maybe say those the rest of the words in German or right. something like so he was gonna do some tricksy subtle way of saying mm-hmm. the rest of the words and like completing the activation code and just getting yeah. Bucky uh, which I I feel like isn't that something that's always a possibility when the two of them are in the same room like isn't that he could just always bust it out and just say yeah. these 10 words real quick, right? Yeah, for pretty much. Yeah. And so we actually haven't seen for sure if it still works mm-hmm. in full. So because yeah. he, he said he hasn't fully gone full bore. So maybe that's something they'll do at some point. We get to see what's going on there. Yeah, but I, really like to, I mean, I really like to think he's free from all this. And it's just kind of a little bit of showing him getting over his PTSD, but. I hope that in Wakanda they successfully deprogrammed him so that he's not easily activated yeah. just by hearing ten words spoken in order. But it is it is a thing where like I'm not sure and I and they're playing with that tension. They're playing with Absolutely. with Zemo having that in his back pocket, maybe just in case it might come yeah. out later. And you know, I, I also was expecting him to kind of double cross them maybe at some point, and he really he really doesn't. Uh, I mean. <laughs> That still could be. I mean, he kind of has. Seems like he's got his own agenda going. Of, of course, in time because he's, you know, he murdered the dude, but it, he didn't necessarily double cross them, or, or you know, he's still helping them. So I don't know if down like is he really gonna? I think at some point he's. Of course, he's gonna pull away, and he's got some. It, it, he's got something he wants to do. Of course, of course. I mean, <laughs> he's the villain. Well, <laughs> yeah, he's he's not going back to prison. That's clear. No, there, there no is way. no way he's letting these two put him back in a cell. Um, oh, so if it if it comes down to either they they he helps them enough 
that they let him go. Uh, Or it gets to a point where he betrays them and they're like, all right, Zemo, we're taking you back. And he's like, no, you're not. I'm just going to call in my very rich uh, helicopter friend, (laughs) pilot, and I'm just going to use my money to get out of this. I'm going to call Prince Philip up there and get him back to help me out. (laughs) Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, it's it's just like this inevitable ticking time bomb. But I texted you this like before we started talking today. I for some reason when when Bucky was describing this plan, I was immediately on board with yeah, they got to get Zemo. They got to yeah, yeah, of course. Yep, me too. And I, think <laughs> it, I thought it was totally awesome. Like yeah, and then I don't want. I almost don't want him to switch sides. I I think yeah. like the relationship between the three is is awesome and it's just the dynamic is great the acting between them the chemistry they should just be working together it's awesome he's also there i think there are some can some good candidates for like the best mcu villain and and thanos is probably it overall i think the most well-written villain in the mcu is zemo because Mm -hmm. He, he his philosophy is so so hard to disagree with or poke holes in. Every time he talks about how the Avengers have too much unchecked power and this and that and how they're you know the the little digs that he makes about you know like we got to stop these super soldiers, we got to stop the serum, or else who knows somebody could yeah. create an army of Avengers perhaps. Oh, yeah. And exactly, these little snarky comments. <laughs> yep, and it's and it's like. Yeah, man. But can't, yeah. I don't really have a counter argument for that. You're kind yeah, of and then good you know, points here. They destroyed his country, you know? Yeah. You know, he's like the leader of the country. Of, you and know, he's the baron. And he brings up the fact that none of them came to the memorial after Scovia was, was, yeah. was frankly, just was cannibalized by its neighbors. And yeah, they did they nothing said, to prevent that from happening. And then yep. nobody visited the memorial afterwards. Yeah, he's really got no good reason to too like anybody with superpowers. So mm-hmm. I totally see where he's coming from. I, how did you feel about him shooting the scientist? I, I, I felt like it was a little abrupt, but now that I think about it, I understand he's trying to, he can't, he doesn't want any more of the serum made. So he wants mm-hmm. the guy dead. So this is clearly the only guy as that we know of who knows how to backwards engineer from the blood into this serum. And if he's still there, you can always make more. So he clearly just wanted this guy gone after they could get the information they needed from him. Just to be like an annoying lawyer about it, would you say that the people that Carly blew up in the future, they were going to continue starving the populace by hoarding food and keeping it out of the hands of the needy? So her actions prevented people from starving in the future. Yeah. Um, objection, Your Honor. <laughs> 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 I uh I'm not even you know, sure I believe really in that thinking, position. I'm just No, no, that's that's a great question. I mean, it yes, you can look at it that way, but you can't just take a group of people and be like, you're going to be bad later. I'm killing you, you know, you, mm-hmm. you just you can't do that. It's kind of like what minority report or something, you know, you can't be uh yeah. go, <laughs> you can't be going in there and you you can't have done anything yet. I mean, maybe, but what if not? Now you've just killed all these people. What if something yeah. happens? The group gets, yeah, that's likely where it looks like this group is going. That this, the, I was keep forgetting the, the acronym, but the, uh, the global, yeah, our, the, the, the GPC, GRC, oh, the GRC, GRC. Yeah. Where was I? That was it, right? Uh, yeah. So basically the difference between Carly and what she did <laughs> and Zemo and what he did. 
Right. And I, well, yeah. Personally, personally, Here's I think the, Zemo's actions are more defensible. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yes, because it's it's more of a, a direct correlation to this guy's. This guy is he has already created this serum and is clearly capable of making more. It's set up right here, ready to go. Killing this and guy is a huge advantage in that. It it's a lot more cut and dry and clear than just murdering a bunch of people at a supply depot. Yeah. And and uh Dr. Science over here was like very proud of creating the super soldier serum. And he was very what? proud of like it all, you know, I almost completed the work, but then I got blipped away and five years yeah. passed and you know, this and that. And he, he seemed just inconvenienced by the fact that he's currently being accosted. Yeah. He seems to be confident that, you know, maybe, maybe I'll go to jail, but some, some villain will break me out and I'll get back to work. Mm-hmm. I think there is also just a difference between like this guy making these, in, these decisions to do this evil work versus uniform, the uniformed members of the GRC who joined, like maybe thinking that they're going to do some good and, and help people. And they're just like grunts. They're just people that are taking orders and they get car bombed by by somebody that's stealing all the food that they're supposed to be protecting. So like, there's a difference between the victims here. And that honestly, I, I don't, I don't, I can't condone the fact that he just executed him, but I just see a scenario where if they took him back and put him in jail, there's going to be more super soldiers. Yeah. I I think that he knew that there's no out from this. You have to kill him. And to be honest, I hated the guy. So I'm glad he shot him. I thought he was a cocky little squirrely little mother effer. (laughs) I could have seen, I could have seen Sharon Carter being the one to be like, you know what? It's this. Somebody's got to take care of this. Bam. Just behind him. Just crack his neck or something, man. That guy Mm -hmm. just needed to go. But yeah, I'm kind of glad they shot him. I understand it. And it's definitely different than, than the Carly situation. Yeah. So cool. Um, yeah. And then, uh, where do we go from there? We got the, we just jumped around a couple times, so that's all right. You can cut these blah, blah parts out, right? Oh yeah, of course. I'll share and we'll figure out how to make the serum. Okay. And then we'll find out who's in that, the box. Then I just snapped in the box. That's where we are. And then, so he had made 20 vials. All right, cool. We went through all that. Same time, no serum. Then the room, Simo shoots and kills him. The bad guys then uh, blow up the whole container. Was that Zemo who blew up the container? Another no. thing I kind of was a little confused at was that the act, that was the, the power broker or his, or his guys? When it was, so when when they killed, I'm trying to look up the name of the character because it's uh, Just like, the woman at the nightclub. You know, right when they shot, you know, right when 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 Zemo sh- shot Doctor Nagel, you know, then then what? Somebody blows up the whole thing, and that's right. I was kind of, I just couldn't quite Selby Selby. Um, oh yeah, the one who got shot. Yeah. Okay. So when Selby, Selby is like the number one, it seems like the number one crime boss in the mm-hmm. underground in Madripoor. That's the impression I got. So when yeah. she gets assassinated, every, it's like a John Wick thing where every uh, assassin yeah. and, and bounty hunter in Madripoor gets a text message that's I, like, Selby's been killed. Uh, I think it's said like a $1 billion bounty. Um, yeah, I have to read that text about- again, but huge bounty on whooever brings in Selby's yeah. killer. So 
So yeah, this is actually going to be one of my big three questions when we get to my big three. But yeah, it's it's one of those bounty hunters just has a rocket launcher and shoots yeah. it into, and then and then there's all these pressurized canisters and a fire. So mm-hmm. the ingredients for a cinematic explosion to happen. Yeah, of course you need that, especially yeah. in uh, especially when you're watching Tweety Bird and the Winter Guy. <laughs> <laughs> Winter Sylvester. <laughs> when you're watching Sylvester and Tweety Bird. <laughs> Why is this hard? Goodness. Uh, it awesome. is, we well, can just think up anything and it sounds funny. It's just, <laughs> um, do you have do you have more? Or do you want to go to the big three questions? Uh, we can go into the big three questions. I honestly really like we, we talked about everything I wrote down. We touched on it. Yeah. Cool. All right. Ryan. This is a section of the podcast that we call Lose Big Three Questions. Woo. I don't know. We're still working on the name. So, <laughs> yeah. Sounds good for um, now. But I've got three big questions about this episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Number one question, we've already kind of talked about this, but formally, I'd like to ask, do you think that Marvel is trolling us with Madripoor? Just the introduction of Madripoor. Oh, man. I, I do. I, I feel like I feel like Marvel's actually kind of enjoying this trolling thing now. Like they hopped on board and this is fun for them. So just mm-hmm. to throw all these little, cause this is a Captain America based story. And like you said, Madripoor is mainly an X-Men thing. So to throw that in here is, it's pretty clear. Um, and I think they are. I think, like I said, it's going to be, if there's anything that points to X-Men, it's going to be a small directional push. Yeah. So yes, those bastards are trolling us, but for some reason I love it. <laughs> I stopped using the comic books to predict what's going to happen in the MCU after mm-hmm. Iron Man 3 when they introduced the Mandarin and yeah. it was just Ben Kingsley playing a British actor playing the Mandarin. I know. It's <laughs> it's a really it's an elegant solution to the fact that the Mandarin is a horrifically racist character <laughs> in the comics. And, and buddy, but they have, they wanted to reconcile, they didn't have to, but they wanted to reconcile that with him being a major Iron Man villain. Yeah. So they introduced him in a way where it's like, okay, we can, we can play this. We could still sort of play this safe middle of the road uh, yep. and not have a horrible caricature depiction of a race on screen. <laughs> yes. And, and then even take it one step further and lampoon the whole thing by showing you how ridiculous it is. And the and yes. like they could be doing that with uh, the the more basically what I'm saying is I trust the MCU. Um, yes. If they're going to introduce an element like Madripoor, mm-hmm. it's because it's a cool place. There's a lot of yeah. rich history to it. Interesting things they can do with that kind of location. One yeah. of which maybe maybe, but not necessarily could be something to do with the X Men. Yes. And like you said, it lays down that groundwork and it puts it out there. So now it's there. It's yeah. in the story. Now we can use it. And it's, you know, it's building the foundations. Yeah. And Keep it up, Marvel. So I'm doing a good job of trolling us. <laughs> exactly. They are. Ryan, my but second it's good. question. Like you said, though, it's good trolling because it's going to get us familiar with this. And then when mm-hmm. it finally comes, it's going to feel very natural. Yep. Or if it never comes, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't overplay their hand. They didn't like make a promise that they can't keep later. Mm -hmm. Ryan, my number two question of my big three questions. Mm -hmm. 
imagine you're a bounty hunter living on Madripoor. You get a text message that says, uh, two of the Avengers and their friend from S.H.I.E.L.D. just killed the biggest crime boss on the entire island. Yep. What are you bringing with you to go after these three legendary fighters? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go with these three things. Mm-hmm. One, a big-ass gun. Okay. Two, Danny DeVito. Okay. <laughs> Danny DeVito as the penguin. Danny Frank He's Reynolds be from... in my backpack. <laughs> uh huh. Okay. And then on my left, you see what I'm doing there? Mm-hmm. Whoopi. Whoopi comes in from the left, and that's my fucking backup right there. Okay. Nice. The gun is really not even necessary. <laughs> <laughs> I just needed three because it sounds right. <laughs> well, Ryan, I think you'd last a little bit longer than some of these bounty hunters. What about um, what about Absolutely. just a big knife? Why not just just a big knife that you just kind of hold out in front of you? Well, you could do that, but yeah. would that fit in the backpack with Danny DeVito? <laughs> that might be the problem. The, the, you got to leave room in the backpack. Yeah. Um, I ask this yeah, because no, a, knife, a big knife would be do the trick. You think so? Because it didn't really work out for well for the guy that showed up to the docks, <laughs> slinking around these these crates, Container? shipping crates, shipping containers. <laughs> yeah, with just a big knife, and he yeah. like immediately gets it, take it away from him, and stab, and then she like <laughs> throws it at somebody else. But dude, that is all you brought with you <laughs> to you the Hunger Games. Decisions? How did you make it this far in Bandrapur with that? Like with that kind of intelligence, <laughs> that's what I'm wondering. That is what yeah. I. That is what I want to. Yeah. Okay. So moving on from that guy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> does okay. My third big question: Does Cap and I'm talking about the Cap. I'm not talking about John Walker. Does <laughs> Steve Rogers actually like Marvin Gaye, or was he just being polite to Sam? I think that he absolutely liked Marvin Gaye because okay. Steve Rogers. I can tell when I when I see somebody that guy likes a groove and he likes a good R and B beat and he likes yeah. good music. I, I do. I feel like he seems like he's a little bit of a. The people like him are the ones who are into music the most. Okay, huh. he's quiet. He might he he's more reserved, but that dude cranks some Marvin Gaye when he's alone. You know, he's yeah. He likes the '30s and '40s music like Bucky, but I think he embraces it a lot more than than Bucky did, and I think he actually enjoys it. Like I said, honorable, cool dude and people like that like good music. Good music comes in all forms. So, The only time we see him dance is in Captain America, the first Avenger, when he's slow dancing. Yes. Uh, Because I was going to say, like, I can't imagine Captain America dancing. I I know he's, but that's why I feel they just haven't shown the musical side of him. But I'm jumping on the boat that Steve Rogers, I even think he might have been a good singer. I'm telling you. He just gives me that vibe. He likes good tune, you know? So they they go out like he's this, the cool leader, doesn't like to let loose. I mean, but he does. Mm. He cranks the Marvin Gaye. I really, I liked this moment a lot because mm-hmm. w- everything that it does when, when uh, so what we're, what we're referring to is when they're on the plane with Zemo, he has the book, uh, Zemo has the book that, Bucky has been writing stuff in. And one of the names that he wrote, actually, we should talk about this a little bit. One of the names that he wrote was Nakajima. Mm. Zemo asks him about it. And he's like, don't you ever say that name again. Yeah. Obviously, um, that, you know, that's, you know. Yeah, I was going to ask. That's the old guy that, yeah. that he, okay, okay. His, num- his number one redemption up there, yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. Uh, Sam gets excited because he knows that it's Cap's book and he says that he wrote Trouble Man in that book to recommend it to Cap and and Cap said he liked it. And like, you just see Sam's eyes light up when he's talking about Cap in this way. And Zemo, Zemo definitely catches that too. Cause he makes, he makes a comment on it later about like, you're both friend, you be both trying to honor this guy's memory or whatever. But it's, it's just this really beautiful moment of them talking about their friend that they both admire and mm-hmm. adore so much and who has influenced them so much. But they're talking about like a way that Sam introduced some in, influenced Cap yeah. and, and introduced something new to him. And yeah, um, it shows back to their the beginning of their relationship and how it ended up in Bucky's hands. And then I like how that's when it leads into then Zemo's explanation of what he thinks of a superhero, right? Which I think is really cool. He basically lays out his whole thought process right there in front of him and you know sam gets a little uh angry like watch watch your step talking about my boy like that you know which yeah i thought was cool too but yeah it was a really cool scene i thought it was great too yeah they also later on the episode sam and bucky also have a bit of an argument about the shield and and how he gave it up and how he's gonna get it bucky is determined to get it back from john walker which is awesome (laughs) yeah absolutely i can't wait for him to just kick some ass <laughs> i can't wait till it yeah. comes down to like that fake cap fighting them too it's gonna be great yeah i have a bad feeling what we're gonna see with john walker is him get like spit in the face again or like something something like that that's gonna trigger him yeah. and push him over the edge to the point where he does he becomes like the punisher or something like that and yeah. i think that's gonna be sort of the trajectory he's basically gonna, he's gonna kind of be the next winter soldier i think yeah like maybe he's the real villain here. Yeah. He's going to yeah. be the star spangled soldier. <laughs> yeah. oh, goodness. All right. Well, uh, so those are my, those are my big three questions. And um, one other thing we should mention is the like almost post credits stinger they did with the, uh, introducing one of the Dora Milaje at the end. Yep. Oh yeah. The, right at the very end, Bucky sees those, what those little like uh, vibranium beads they use kind of for communication mm-hmm. and that uh, leads and Bucky knows obviously being in Wakanda for all those years, you know, he knows this means that a Wakandan is close and the suit follows it. And obviously it's, um, I forget her name. She's it's one of the, like, what did you call? I forget what they're called. They're like, what, like the kind of the team of, of uh, black Panthers, like soldiers or right hand women kind of. Yeah. Collectively they're called the Dora Milaje. Right. I, I know I do know War. that this character has a name because we've seen her in uh, I want to say Civil War. I think, saw her yeah, in, I think it was Civil War. Yeah. Yeah. And, and obviously we saw her in Black Panther, but I just right. uh, man, I'm having trouble bringing up that name yeah. real quick. I don't know. Next week I'll definitely have it. I'll include her when we talk yeah. about it's um, cool. I'll talk about the actress a little. We'll get it next time. <laughs> yeah, we'll get her next time. I just remembered one last thing that I wanted to talk about. Oh Ryan. Okay. I'm not going to get into the whole four-hour Snyder cut. but <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be had, a whole day recording. <laughs> yeah, I had a burning question last week about Cyborg and whether his face and chest are going to get old before his metal body gets old. And we talked about that. I had another burning question that I, I haven't been able to answer or get off my mind since okay. I saw the Snyder cut. They talk about when, when uh, I can't remember his name, Steppenwolf shows up to Chernobyl. And he wants to set up his base in Chernobyl in this reactor. And he's like, it's uh, uh, toxic. Everything's toxic. Good. Um, He's very happy that the whole air is just filled with toxicity 
the whole right. entire yeah. all of Chernobyl is still ra- irradiated. And I think he even like makes it more radioactive. I think he like does, he releases even more radioactive energy to reinforce that. Then later on, Batman and uh, Barry, who, as far as I'm aware, are just normal humans with respiratory systems, are <laughs> yes. just kind of walking around with their mouths exposed out of the <laughs> bottoms of their masks. <laughs> And everything just kind of exposed to the air. And if radiation touches your skin, yeah. you're irradiated. <laughs> Usually not good. Yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> but the, do they acknowledge that at all? In, in the, I'm not going to go and watch the whole four hours of it again. But do they? That's the do thing they, is I, I need to watch it again to, to really even remember this scene well. But, okay. you know, <laughs> so what's the actual question? Like, how are they breathing? Or how like how is this happening? <laughs> uh, are are we going to see Batman and the Flash have like nuclear fallout in the next movie? Are we going to see them with like mutations, and or, no. or are their limbs just and skin just going to be falling off like the actual victims of the Chernobyl disaster? No, I I think that uh, the writers are just going to completely ignore it and just uh, okay. move on. Maybe Batman <laughs> will actually grow some fucking wings and have some real powers. <laughs> He'll become Man Bat, yes. which is a real character. <laughs> I, that, that's how ridiculous comic books are. I'm not even making up that up. Man Bat is a thing. Uh, Stop. Look it up. Yeah, no, look it up. It's real. It's real, and it's exactly what you're picturing in your head of hybrid Man Bat. And is it anything related to Batman? Yes, it is. Yeah, he's a Batman villain. Oh, oh, I see, Man Bat. Like DC yep. character. Oh wow. Okay. <laughs> yep. Oh yeah. Yep. He looks like a gargoyle. All right. Yep. <laughs> and a, as we saw in Falcon and Winter Soldier, it's not like Marvel is above this level of ridiculousness when you have things that they can refer to, like the smiling tiger <laughs> and characters <laughs> like that. No, they're both have their ridiculous things. Yeah, and that's but, why I love it. But they, but Marvel does do. Uh, I just, they do do a better job of, of taking the ridiculousness mm-hmm. and making it a cohesive, realistic story that we can enjoy. You know, you have to suspend some disbelief, but of course, yep. I think that Marvel just handles it a little bit better when it comes to making the movies. The comics, yep. I can't comment on, but movie-wise, and and having one main brain, Kevin Feige, like directing like not directing but you know what i mean um guiding the story in a way and and letting the writers make their own details and interweaving little stories but hit you got to hit these these points in each movie and i think that totally is the reason marvel dominates dc just they have an i have a plan and i think he's like 10 years in advance of what he wants to do with the story so it's Mm. just it's crazy so that's Uh... that's that's why that's why those things happen yeah, this has been Lou's pedantic issues with the Snyder Cut. Thank you for listening. And <laughs> it was beautiful. I love it. I like those. <laughs> I like those kind of questions. <laughs> like <laughs> those are those are fun. Like what? Like that was the great. I like how you think of that. Like the one with the the one with cyborg skin, <laughs> skin getting old, but like <laughs> robot body. That's I never thought about that, but it's genius. <laughs> these are these are the things that keep me awake at night. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> God, I wish it was that. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, I guess I guess if those are the biggest worries that I have, I'm not doing too bad, right? You're doing That's right. a good way to look at it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So awesome. So Ryan, um, that is everything I have to say about Falky Fresh, Winter Green, yeah, and uh, Tweety and Tweety and S- <laughs> S- Sylvester Soldier, yeah. Bird and Die. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh pigeon pigeon and the warrior i don't know (laughs) there's not (laughs) they're all they're all they're all fun they're all stupid but they're all fun you just say the dumbest thing it's just yeah this is this is the part of the conversation that i think the closing credits music is going to be playing over and uh i'm terrible at saying goodbye so ryan do you have any last things to say to our listeners before we sign off this week I just want to say again, thank you all for listening. It was another amazing episode. Love the direction the show is going. You people are my life, my blood, my all being. And I appreciate you listening to this crazy voice. Thank you. I love you. 3000. That was lovely. We're going to fucking help you. Yeah. Hot Goss with Trash Comedy is the podcast where we trade sweet, sweet facts like they're dirty little pieces of gossip. We're a New York-based comedy team and we're joined each week with a funny, delightful friend. After each person shares their facts, we rate those facts from, oh my god, that's not hot, that's as cold as the coldest ice you've ever seen, to, oh my god, that's so spicy, my mouth is gone. So if that made sense to you, then please join us on Mondays, wherever you get your podcasts.